How are you, sir? I'm good. I can't take that kind of pressure. I'll try, but... <laughs> what about Linus in the, the Christmas, uh, uh, Charlie Brown Christmas? He's a, you know, okay, Charlie Brown, and he went right to the center, didn't he? And he said everything. Yeah, because yeah, he's a pro. Linus was a pro. I'm. We both know I'm not that. I'm no Linus, Al. You 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 are a pro, but you're a behind the scenes pro. You know, you're you're more like Fred Flintstone behind the scenes is what you are. There you, know? you go. Now you're getting close to the correct equation. You got that right. Um, all right. I'm not going to insult you because you'll hang up, and I don't want that. Um, <laughs> I, I've been dealing with a week's worth of the season is over. Blow it up. Trade nurse. Trade nudes. Trade everybody. Is the season over? Like, is it? Is it absolutely slam dunk? No chance the Oilers make the playoffs. Well, obviously not. It's it's obviously not over because what's the, you know, this magic media concoction that thirty seven percent? If you're out of the playoffs now, only thirty seven percent chance the Oilers will make it. Thirty seven isn't five. Give me a break. There's the season's not over by a long shot. But if they keep playing the way they are, it's over. So. I keep I and I I know the team was better, but in '68 and '69 the Montreal Canadiens won the Stanley Cup. '70 they missed the Stanley Cup playoffs, and they won again in '71. And weird things can happen, and there were injuries at the beginning, and they were changing the defense. But this is a lot, right? Like this is. I had somebody say to me that that it was more upsetting for them to endure this season than the decade of darkness. Uh, that happened where they just would not make the playoffs no matter what what occurred, and like I I'm, I don't I don't know I usually make decisions based on the entire year and we're not there yet, but I do understand fan frustration being different and maybe more explosive than it was during a period when they were trying to build and simply could not. Oh, I that may very well be the worst thing in sports, Al. When somebody thinks you should be great and you underachieve, that's horrible. And and just like if nobody thinks you're going to do anything, and, you know, let's say like the Montreal Alouettes, you win the Grey Cup. That's the greatest thing in sports. So, you, you know, look at the Oilers in the mid-'80s. Everybody thought they were going to win. And, and honest to God, sometimes Wayne Gretzky wouldn't even be the first star in a game where he got four points. Yeah. And it would be like, ho-hum, you know, that's boring too. But this is the worst thing in sports when someone who's perceived to be an expert Whoever that person is says, "Oh no, they can they can win the Stanley Cup this year." My rear end, they're going to win the Stanley Cup. They were never going to win the Stanley Cup, but as long as enough people buy into that, this is crushingly disappointing. Absolutely crushingly disappointing. And it's, you know, I've I've said, and and maybe it's it's just memory for me, but. I think they'll use up so much energy making the playoffs that they might get scooted or punted real quickly once the postseason begins. It's possible. I personally personally wouldn't have crossed my mind yet. However, <laughs> if you want to project ahead to April, sure, I'll buy that. <laughs> I'm kind of just worried about, you know, Washington today. That's kind of, that's kind of that's kind of my only thought with this team anyway. Like I don't know, I don't even know how you can get one period ahead of yourself, but other you know instead of five months. But okay, it, everybody thinks differently. I understand that. <laughs> that's a great answer. I don't know what the hell you're doing. I'm not going there, but go ahead. You know, 
<laughs> so I guess it's it's just Thelma, not Thelma and Louise in this conversation. It's just I, me going over the ledge. Yep, and I'll be whoever you want. I'll be Thelma or Louise. You, I, you, I don't care. You, they were they were both good characters. I'm fine with either. Oh, Lansky, uh, should the Oilers make a trade for a goaltender? You know, that's a great question, and I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't because. And, and we've talked a little bit about this, and I've thought about this since we've talked about it. I think the league has changed in the last ooh, 10 years, seems like a long time, but I'll say 10 years, in that goaltending just isn't what it was. It's, it's important, but we should really be stopping using the word goaltending and start using the, word te- or the, the phrase team defense. Okay. Because I honestly think you could win with almost any goaltender in the league because they're all technically honest to God. If you put them in, in black or white jerseys and, and made them you know, uniform masks and said, who's who, it's really hard to tell them apart. Whereas back in the day, you know, you'd have to watch Glenn Hall make three saves and you knew it was Glenn Hall. Yes. Now, they're, right, they're all the same now. So to me... Any goalie can stop most pucks. The, the trick is you got to stop them from seeing pucks. And I remember talking about this in the L.A. series last year. They've got to stop letting their goaltenders see as many pucks as they see and as many good pucks. So I think almost any goalie could play now. So don't make a change now. It's not going to make a difference. Until you start to figure out that you play defense as a team, you are doomed in this league doomed with a capital d and every other letter between the bookend d's doomed what's the font on that uh whatever you want it could be ariel i like verdana we always use helvetica bold on the air but it's totally up to you (laughs) old verdana was one of my favorite songs when i was growing (laughs) up Um, I wanted to, because people got mad at me last week or two weeks ago when I hadn't asked you any media questions lately. So I picked one and we can roll through a few if you like. But uh, last time I asked you this question, the answer was Ray Ferraro. Who is the best hockey color commentator right now? So Ray Ferraro is good. And I would put Ray at number two. I'm never going to go against Mike Johnson. Okay. I'm very good. I'm just. I'm just not because I I really think so. If you gave somebody to me and you said, here's X who just retired, uh, Phil Kessel, let's say here's Phil Kessel. Who's at the end of his career. I want you to make him into a good analyst. It's, it's not possible unless Phil Kessel or whoever it is has certain components already in his personality. And they have to be, there has to be about five of them. And one of them is you have to be a quick thinker. You have to be able to say the first thing that comes into your mind without parsing it in your head first or measuring it before it comes out. That's always been the best color commentators, the best analysts. John Madden was a master at that. John Madden won a Super Bowl as a head coach. If you could follow John Madden's train of thought, you were a genius. But it didn't matter because John Madden also oozed personality, but he didn't force the personality. 
No. So there's another component. It's, you know, I've never done it, but I could probably quantify it on a piece of paper. But let me tell you, not many guys fit that category. And when it pops into your head, you have to be able to say it. The problem is a lot of today's guys, it never pops in their head. So they're never going to say it. But Ray and Mike, to me, are the two that it pops in and they say it. And that's what makes them great. Madden could entertain me just talking about the Thanksgiving turkey. You know, that's the thing. And Madden, right. And Madden understood the job. What's the job? His first answer would be to entertain you. Well, I don't have to be 100% correct all the time to entertain you. I don't have to use big words. I don't have to be. I just have to entertain you. And once you understand what entertaining is, then you can do it. Don Cherry's a good example of somebody who got it at the beginning, but was allowed to morph into something that was beyond his capability. He reached a point where there was a ceiling, because Don Cherry's not going to split any atoms. I think we can agree on that. And when you reach a ceiling, your act is going to wear thin. Whereas I don't think John Madden ever reached the ceiling. I just don't think he ever did. Uh, I'd have to think hard. You know, I'm not sure Tony Romo is going to reach a ceiling. He might, but I think he's got enough unpredictability. And that's the other key component. Key, key, key is unpredictability. You cannot say the same thing the same way over and over and over. Kill me now. It's death in analysis. It just is. Sports 1440, low down with low tide. Our guest is Steve Lasky. We're talking about media now. It's no score that I've seen, uh, 16-28 left in the first between Washington and Edmonton. We will keep you updated uh, on the game. Um, so uh, I, I agree that Mike Jan- Johnson is really good. When you were back producing and you had, I mean, the, Howie, Gary Dornhofer, I'm not sure all of the people that you had, did you, were you ever... Um, did you ever get an opportunity to maybe nurture the talent or does it happen just so quickly you, you don't really have the time to, to bring that out? Or when you attempt to, there's a pushback because they don't want to say too much. No, you, th- those are great questions. You 100% nurture them. Uh, Dorney, I worked with a little bit. I was mostly Harry Neal, a bit of Gary Younger when he started, John Garrett, uh, John Davidson. Those were kind of my big five that I worked with. You absolutely can nurture the talent because there's another key component as an analyst. And I've talked to Mike Johnson about this, is they always want to learn. Was that good when I did that? Was that bad? And I always used to try and nurture the guys by whenever you got a moment, you would help them on the air, and that would in you. So when the replay came up for a penalty, I'd say, here's the penalty, guys. Tell everybody to watch the left side of your screen. So then J.D. would say, now watch the left side of your screen. And then J.D. feels good because you've helped him communicate something, and I'll be darned if the penalty wasn't on the left side of the screen. So when you build that trust with these guys, now they start to come back to you on talk back or in commercials and say, how was that? What can I do here? And, and very often the other way you build trust, Al, is you hit your key and you say, hey, J.D., it's kind of a slow game. Is there something you want us to watch for? And he'll say, you can you can do whatever you want, but Yerry Curry is working his tail off on the right side. And I'd say, okay, we're going to ISO him the next couple of shifts, and if I see something interesting, I'll play it back for you, and I'll tell you what it is when it's coming. Mm-hmm. You say, okay, sounds great. And then J.D. looks great when it goes to air, 
hey, Yerry Curry's been working his butt off today. Here's an example of it. That, that's how you nurture analysts. And then you try not to beat down the things that they do that they shouldn't do, but they often know, or they'll say, why wasn't that good? They say, well, it wasn't good because you thought about it too hard, Ungie. You just, just spit it out, man. You played the game. You played on intuition. I know you did. You had a bunch of high-scoring seasons. You played how many games in a row? 718. I know it's there. Just spit it out. Gary Younger could never get across that bridge. There's a bridge you have to cross to get to the bridge of trust, where you trust yourself and you trust the truck. If you don't, trust the, if you don't cross the bridge, you'll never, ever be a good analyst. Do you know I'm still mad at Gary Younger for the, the, that penalty he took in the Miracle in Manchester? Well, rightfully so. I, I can tell you, I don't think it'll do you any good to harbor that anger. <laughs> but if you want to, who am I? Who am I? I mean, you're already thinking ahead to April. I'm not surprised you're thinking back to 1982. <laughs> if you want to harbor it, go right ahead wow. to harbor it, my friend. Yeah, just whatever you want. It's your show, really. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, would you stop running circles around me live on the radio, Lansky? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Here I am trying to get the play-by-play of the game, and you're, you know, just running circles around me, damn it all anyway. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, so so just to, to reconvene the Euler take, uh, you don't necessarily think that they should trade uh, for a goaltender right now. Um, if they get to Christmas and they are still like 10 points out, it, they've, right now they're 10 points out with three games in hand on Seattle, um, when when do you maybe start thinking about selling by trading Warren Fogel etc? Well, I'm I'm always if I'm the general manager, I'm always thinking about it. So when somebody says in a press conference, "Have you considered blah blah blah?" the answer should always be yes. I have considered that because considered means you're just thinking about something. Well, if you're not a general manager and you're not thinking twenty four seven, you ain't doing the job, man. So you should always be considering it. But if, if it's this mire after Christmas, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, the problem is, you know, they traded Paul Coffey back in 1987. Paul Coffey played great for Pittsburgh. Everybody's like, uh, you know, they traded Coffey, he played great for Pittsburgh. Yeah, but he wasn't fitting in to what Glenn wanted at that time. He and Glenn couldn't see eye to eye. There was no choice. You have to make these deals. So let's say you, you get rid of Nuge or you get rid of – like whoever you get rid of, it wasn't working here, guys. Just because it worked somewhere else, it wasn't working here. So things have to be changed. If you – you know, Richard Zoko used to say this all the time about his golf game. If you change nothing, nothing will change. Mm-hmm. And that's right. It's a fact. You've got to start to look at it. But it's always being considered, I guarantee you. Last week, you and I talked about the possibility of trading uh, Leon Dreisaitl if he doesn't want to sign uh, next July. That seems to be taking a little bit of flight here uh, among the media. And um, the, 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 the issue really is it happened in Calgary because they, 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 they traded. They got, the Goudreau was going to walk, and then they ended up trading Kachuk. And the, the, the whole look of their team changed in, in, in quick uh, uh, order and they didn't get a lot for they didn't get enough for Kachuk and they ended up overspending to keep those players. For the Oilers, if they do make a big deal next summer, they have to get they have to get out of the cap hell, but they also have to get quality. How difficult would it be to get like seventy five percent of Drysaddle in a trade next summer? Yeah, well, great question. So 
when you get Jonathan Huberdeau, you think you're getting 115 points. Well, you were never getting 115 points. It was never going to happen. He got 115 points in Florida. You and I could play in Florida and get 60 points because nobody cares who we are. Nobody cares about the Panthers. It's easy to score there. You call me when you're in a team in Canada and you crank 115. That's completely different. But you got to stop making trades on numbers and talent and start making trades on character. It doesn't mean great players don't have character. But stop just looking at numbers on a piece of paper. You're saying 75%. 75% of what? His character? His points total? His contribution to a team atmosphere? Those are all different things. Those are all different things. And if I was sitting in the room as a scout, you know, they were talking about Broberg the other day in the paper, and his skating jumped off the paper. Great. Great that his skating jumped off the paper. I'm pretty certain nobody says he won a Stanley Cup because he was a great skater. I've never, I don't think I've ever heard that in my life. It's meaningless. It's useless. What's his character? That's what you need to get back for anybody leaving, leaving Edmonton, uh, you know, on the train away from the Oilers. Character. Final one, if you told Mrs. Lansky if she could make a bunch of jams, I know she could sell it at a profit. I I want you to know that. Uh, I understand that. Um, We have discussed it at length. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And the key component is, Al, it would involve a lot of work, some of it with me. Mm. And I, I, yeah, see, you put two and two together fast there. Uh, yeah. Couldn't yeah, you be, couldn't I, you, I, couldn't you be a more efficient helper? Like, couldn't you try <laughs> apply yourself? I, I'm a real good helper, dude. I can take orders like nobody, <laughs> but it's when I start to think, you know, that's, that's where we run into trouble. So and talking is also an issue. If you get into a fight with, with Mrs. Lansky, do you say, okay, John Shannon to make her mad or... <laughs> No, sometimes they say, okay, Donald Trump, but that doesn't fly. I can tell you that. That ain't a good one. Anybody thinking of using that, don't use it. <laughs> I've, I've battle tested it. It is not a winner. Okay. No, it's not. I no. mean, I would have known at the beginning it wasn't a winner, but I'm dumb enough to say sure. it. And let me tell you, yeah. it ain't a winner. We think we're funny. No one else does in the house. I've got that. I know that feeling. I have that on a shirt. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thanks, man. Appreciate it.